to Interviews. Hi, I'm your host, Sophia Negron, a former professional dancer turned professional photographer. Here's where I interview former professional artists that have moved on to a new career and learn about their stories of discovery, transition, passion, and resilience. My hope is that you will feel inspired to embrace your creativity, see the value in it, and let it color the rest of your endeavors. So, what will be your act two? Hi, I am Sophia Negron, and today I am here with Brittany Crosby, who is a former dancer, although she does freelance every once in a while still, and owner of the Co-Pilates, which is a boutique Pilates studio here in Manhattan that offers one-on-one -on -one personalized programs for private clients. So thank you, Brittany, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So I want to talk a little bit about how this all got started. You, you were a dancer, and you actually started doing Pilates in college, which you know most dancers are just focused on dance. So talk to me a little bit about your idea with dance and then why you decided to do Pilates in college while you were dancing too. Yeah. So as many dancers, right, as we all do, danced my entire life and then was in a blossoming modern dance program at IU and off uh, part of that program offered up Pilates training and I had heard a little bit about it. So I was going through my dance training in high school and so decided to to join to learn just to learn more to learn about the the modality but really by the time I was done with and that was just the mat work training by the time I was done with that training what I had realized and it had been kind of in the back of my head for a while that there was a certain amount of struggle involved with having an artist's career yeah um, having a dancer career right like the struggle to make it this you know just the struggle just the physical struggle of it all and so there's a little bit I, I think I have a little bit of duality in that like I'm attracted to that struggle and the effort to overcome it and at the same time very much motivated to bypass it in some way mm -hmm. so it's always very much on my mind that the dancer's life is a hard life and a short one. Okay. In terms of career. Yeah. So it, it didn't take long in terms of learning about teaching Pilates to, to think to myself, this is something that I feel connected to and I feel like I can be good at it. And it's something that will keep me involved in movement in some way, something I know I love and never want to be done with, but I, it's also movement is something I know as a dancer, it's very unlikely that you'll, that that career will last like most careers last, right? right? It's got an expiration date. And then you don't know what that career is actually going to look like, no matter how good you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so from very early on, it Pilates, teaching, helping others learn how to move and be in their bodies, be embodied more, because I enjoyed it so much. It was a joy for me to be able to help others access it when they don't have that movement background. Right. Pilates was the entryway for me, and, and it continued to be this thing that ran parallel to the dance career that I had. Okay. which is gaining more knowledge, gaining more experience while also, you know, like taking time off of school to dance professionally and dancing professionally after school and coming to New York and getting projects here and there. It always kind of ran parallel as this supporting thing that then became the thing. The thing, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. I know with my own daughter, I'm like, Dance is hard. <laughs> it's it is. It's uncertain. Doesn't matter how good you are, you know. It's there's so many variables, and I mean, right now, you know, people aren't able to be dancing. So what else do you do? So you know, I always tell her, think about what else you could do besides 
dancing or when you are in between contracts, that's better than just waiting tables. So I think that's great that you kind of figured that out early on to find something that you love yeah, that would yeah, support I you. Yeah, I feel thankful for it. And it's, it's this other dance. I think you and I have had this conversation. I know I've had this conversation with several other dance friends. And there's always this kind of like uh, a little bit of feeling of conflict about like having a backup plan or choosing to to officially be done with your dance career and choose another career instead because it there's this like I think we're all it's infused in all of us no matter our family background which is like oh if you you choose to stop somehow you failed or somehow or you just you quit you gave up right and I remember having this conversation with a friend who very much felt that way and her career was even you know was way more seasoned and in-depth than mine especially in the city and so I always felt a little like oh I wish I would have tried as hard as she did you know and, and yeah. had like the experiences that she had dancing even more professionally in New York than I did we were chit-chatting because she's now transitioned out of it and one of the other things that to a certain extent kept me from kept me kind of rolling with Pilates and gaining more experience teaching and gaining more experience, like building my business and, and more experience, more knowledge in terms of continuing ed, like becoming more of an expert in my field kind of a thing versus going, like putting that effort in the dance field mm -hmm. in that way was I, I kind of knew that I didn't want to live. There's certain parts of dancer life I didn't want to live. Yeah. I didn't want to live with six roommates in this, like, you know, <laughs> wrap around the edges apartment, you know. <laughs> like, there were certain things that I wanted, I wanted out of my day-to-day -day life that felt like less of a struggle to me. I didn't want that part. Yeah. And, um she and I were talking about that and she was like, and she was expressing the same kind of like feeling of like, oh, I didn't try hard enough or I gave up or, you know, and, and then realizing how her life is now looking at another friend who, whose career she really coveted, getting in touch with him later and, and realizing like he's unsatisfied with the lifestyle that often comes with being an artist and especially a dancer, you know, like, yeah, he had the career of her dreams and the jobs that she, you know, she always wanted to have and felt a little bit bad about because she yeah. didn't, you know, she thought she didn't try. And, and, you know, now where she sits now in her new career, she's like, I, I, I like what I took, you know, like, oh, I realize everything that goes along with this job or this um, vision that I coveted doesn't really fit the kind of full life that I want to right. live yeah and she didn't realize that in, until later and so and I think that's something that ugh, probably every dancer no matter what your career was like then and what it's like now like has some version of that story in their head so I appreciate that you're you're doing this because I think it it gives everybody a little bit more permission to talk more freely and, and, and to be able to say to your daughter without the whole, like, kind of to redefine what it means to make a choice versus you failed or you quit. Right. Or you were, you were rejected or something like that. Yeah. You know, but no, I, I really thought through the honest truth of what it means to have another career besides dance or what it means to fully commit to dance. Yeah. And I think when you change that kind of conversation you can also change the attitude about it and when you change the attitude about it you it takes a while but I think you can also kind of change the industry so maybe you know maybe more people will have a better lifestyle and get to be dancers right <laughs> yeah I had a friend that went and moved to Germany and danced with a company in Germany and and the company wasn't even like a New York City ballet it was, it was a smaller company that was a more regional company, which, you know, for a lot of the dance field, regional companies, you know, you're probably not making enough to actually live and you have to have some other job. But she was making enough that 
she did not have to have another job. You know, she had, she had full health care. She had money to have a really nice apartment with her boyfriend. They went on vacation. They had a car. They had the lifestyle that most people get when you have a job that you do 40 hours a week. And, and it's unfortunate that here, a lot of that does not happen for mm. artists and creatives. So I think that's why so many people kind of push artists to say, well, do you really want this career? You know, there's so many other things you can do. So it worked out well for you that you thought about what, what are the alternatives if I'm not dancing? And you found something else that you really love. But I think, you know, it's like what you said about dancers being able to have a life and have a dance career would be the ultimate thing, you know? Yeah, and it, it is that profession where you, you have to spend a ton of time being an expert in your field. Yes. You know, and so, it, you know, it doesn't, even if you are prepared for the, the knowing that you may not make it or you may get injured or you only have so you know, any of those worries or fears that we have, you only right. have so much time in a professional career before you age out of it right. and, want to for. <laughs> and to kind of normalize and make it a little bit more okay. Like it, it, it makes sense and, and can be the only thing, the word, the only word I can think of is fun or yeah. just more acceptable to, to have something that goes along with dance or, or, you know, you were just saying earlier, you know, people that you know who've ended their dance careers for one reason or another and like, what am I going to do now? I don't have any other skills. And your immediate response was, but you have a lot of skills. It's just that we weren't taught within our dance careers what how those skills translate right. yes. to something else. Yes. Uh, performance capturing or, or being able to see movement where others don't. Being able to do this very human thing, which is be in our bodies where other fields, for instance, finance, as an, you know, as an example, has nothing to do with your body at all. It's all up here. Yeah. Like a lot of those people are my best clients because they like connect the everything below. Yeah. <laughs> and their day-to-day -day job does not in any way, shape or form, most likely, aside from the more modern types of companies, doesn't even think about that as how important the body is. You know, if you don't have your body, your brain can't get anywhere. Right. That's very true. That's very so, true. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I'm kind of like just thinking off the top of my head, how could this kind of conversation turn into changing the attitudes about what it means to have a side gig as a, as a, or an exit plan or a plan B as a dancer that doesn't feel like, a, you know, doesn't make it feel like having those things means you fail, you're or, not trying or, right. or yeah. yeah, but that like, no, this is what you do to be even more of an expert in your field. And this is how your field evolves because right. we're acknowledging up front and center that there's an expiration date on this kind of, you know, on this kind of work. So it would be cool if dance programs or just attitudes in general I talked about how does a teaching skill translate or how does a moving skill translate or how does being able to very seriously focus yes <laughs> yeah I mean I think it's something else I mean with dancers there's so many things that we do and have to show up every day you know you're showing up every day no matter what you're constantly doing things to improve your body and your ability to dance and being able to tell a story and being able to promote yourself and being super resilient. I mean, all the things they teach you, how, I mean, how do you find that a lot of those skills translate into your co-Pilates on a, on a business level, not just the movement, side? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that just because I have a dance background doesn't mean all of a sudden I'm good at like 
business strategy, definitely. Right. Of course. Not true. Of course. Um, <laughs> um, I think as I'm learning what, you know, for use the example of business strategy as an, uh, to, to tell the story, like as I'm learning what that means, as I'm learning marketing, as I'm learning how to pivot this business in this new time, right? To be online rather than in person. I'm tapping back into my storytelling skills. Right. I'm tapping back into, I was kind of thinking about like, you know, if you, you happen to be good at teaching classes, for instance, and you know that's dance related or not. You you are automatically good at you are likely pretty good at project management in some way. Yeah, yeah. And running a business is a lot of like project management. You know, managing your clients, managing the other people that work for you, has project management skills in it. So it's very much like choreographing a dance in that you can look at it that way, like being able to take an aerial view, see all the moving parts, understand how you want all those moving parts to come together to present mm-hmm. and to function and to run. I think you can make a lot of comparisons there. I mean, I don't, I think in some cases, some pieces of that have come really naturally to me and other pieces I've had to be like, oh, I really massively messed that up. Yeah. But now I see how I can use a skill I wasn't using and forgot I had to to do this better next time. And that's something really interesting. I think that as artists, we learn is to completely mess up and figure out, okay, this didn't work. What do I do? You know, when you're working on a pirouette and you go to do a double pirouette and you fall, okay, all right, I didn't, I have to make sure I plie and I have to make sure that I get up on my leg and I didn't pull up here. And, you know, I mean, I see when you're teaching Pilates, you know, you're looking and you're like, well, why don't you just, you know, move this, this little bit here and then it's suddenly done. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really easy translation for me. That skill very much easily translated, just being able, and that just kind of goes hand in hand, I think with teaching another body is that, you you get so good at understanding how to shift it in yourself or watching someone else present choreography or watching a dancer that you want to learn from or move more like them or they seem to be getting the choreography so you're watching how they're doing it trying to get cues um, and then translating it into your own body that's definitely a skill that's very specific to professional movers yeah yeah like um, and so easy to you know to translate for me anyway I think probably for most into a you know into being able to try to help people see that for themselves or feel that for themselves yeah 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 definitely but the resilient yeah you can expand it out to the resilience and like all right well <laughs> that just plain did not work so here's how we change it next <laughs> Right, like I push too hard, you know, you pirouette, like you push too hard, you got ease up a little bit, slow down. <laughs> yeah. And this time you won't fall because you, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. So those, yeah. Those are, yeah, those, that's, that's applicable. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're new, like in the co-Pilates, I mean, you didn't start out as the co-Pilates. You, you know, you were dancing and doing Pilates. How did, how did the co-Pilates come about? So it was never really fully my intention to come to New York and open a Pilates studio. Like this is the thing I know I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. It was more like come to New York and figure out how to survive here. (laughs) (laughs) And so many of us do. (laughs) But I mean, the, the short, more general version of it is that I came, I got a job as a personal trainer at Equinox. I learned what I could from that while still knowing that I preferred to teach Pilates in a more private, personal setting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would gain some knowledge, gain some experience. That time would run its course, and then I would shift to the next thing. For most people, that's shifting to seeing some people privately which I did when I eventually left Equinox. And 
And then also I had an overlapping studio job at the time that was all private. So I kept building up there, right? And so then mm -hmm. you're kind of building that momentum where you're freelancing and kind of popping around to different studios and seeing people in different studios and seeing people in their homes. So I did a lot of zigzagging around Manhattan for many years. And then it came to a point where I had a pretty good, I had a pretty steady clientele and schedule at one studio. That studio went through changes. I left. And it was at that point where I realized after a handful of those, you know, like, okay, something shift at this place. So now I'm adjusting and then, okay, something shift at this place. And now I'm adjusting. It came to a place where I was like, all right, well, I can keep ping ponging and zigzagging around being, you know, being a, a soul prop or I can make this more cohesive start trying to really purposefully build something and, and start to try to consolidate how I'm doing it and where I'm doing it. And eventually that unfolded into branding myself, choosing a message, choosing an aesthetic and you choosing some operating procedures and, and starting to, like I said, make those, make my day-to-day -day process cohesive. Okay. Um, and my work with clients more cohesive. And that, that kind of allowed the co-Pilates to become its thing. Mm -hmm. And at that point it was operating out of a rental studio where lots of other people operate their businesses and my relationships in the industry evolved such that it led to me taking over a studio that that I had a, a relationship with and a shared space with another the chiropractor that I share the space with now mm -hmm. um, I had a long time like good relationship with him and and that turned so it turned from me having this business without its own walls to having a business with its own walls. Yeah. So it, it was more like as I kept learning and gaining more knowledge and making choices about do I want, am I okay with how my process is now or do I want to evolve it? Do I want to change it in some way? And here's this opportunity for me to try to what take a chance with that looks like a leveling up of some sort, an evolution of some sort. Mm -hmm. Do I want to take this opportunity or am I okay operating as I'm operating now? Yeah. And so that's just kind of what un unraveled yeah. in a way or unveiled itself was an opportunity to have walls to my own business and space. And, and so here we are. Yeah, that's great. And I see this underlying theme with you that you've always had something that you're doing and you are like, do I want, do I want what it is? Or is there something, something else that, that I could, you know, am I going to take this opportunity or that opportunity? Or how do I, I saw it when you were talking and now I'm like, oh, how do I articulate that? But it's kind of like with dance, you were like, okay, I know that dance is something that is not a long-term thing because physically we can't do it forever. You know, so what else am I going to do? And do I want this lifestyle or do I want that lifestyle? And then when you were doing the Pilates, when you were doing the, the Equinox, you were like, do I want to keep doing personal training or do I want to really push the Pilates? And then it was, do I want to keep doing kind of this freelance out of a studio or do I want to take on this other opportunity this other lifestyle, this other business model. So I like how you've thought about these things and at these transitions. Thank you. That's nice. <laughs> you've always had this practical. Make me not having a plan sounds so planned out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just taking, I guess it's just like looking, keeping in mind what is important to you and how you want to, to live your life or how you want to, to look and feel and, you know, how you want to continue, I think kind yeah. of allowed you to say yes to opportunities. 
Yeah. And so, you know, before I took on the studio space, I had the opportunity to, to, to jump in on another studio space. And I didn't feel, you know, there was part of me that's like, oh, it's the person who's offering this to me as a really respected colleague. It would be so great if I were partnered with her, you know, I'm getting this offer. There must be a reason why I shouldn't turn it down. But I also knew I just wasn't, I didn't feel confident enough or I just wasn't ready to take it. And that turned out to be for the best in the end. Yeah. You know, and then there were plenty of times where I could have left the places that I was. And I really thought about it because I was starting to feel like I don't like this process. I don't like how it's being run or I don't like how, you know, my day to day life seems like it has to be in order to be here, whatever that may be. But I also thought about, well, what's the alternative and am I ready for that responsibility? And for several years, I was like, no, I don't want the responsibility of my own space or my own business until I was, okay, now I'm ready because I would rather see what happens when I'm in charge of it or I'm running it versus being the trade-off I often felt was I don't have as much responsibility, but I also don't have as much control. And anyone who knows me even a little bit, and most dancers in general, have major control issues. (laughs) So the way I've kind of tried to look at at my evolution is a gentle acceptance of my need for control. (laughs) And then also, too, what, what I've realized over time is that the acceptance of you don't actually really have control. So how do you make friends with all of those things? Yeah. Yeah. you know, you package all of that up with also another, I think, hallmark or trademark uh, dancer characteristic is never being satisfied. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? How can I, and how can I do it better? Yeah, yeah. For myself or, or compared to what I've seen done. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I needed to hear this at such, right at the time that I heard it, but the woman who owns the dance studio where I grew up. Okay. Right, dancing elementary school through high school. She happened to be in New York with her husband and we got back in touch and she was like, oh, you know, I know that you have a studio. I'd love to stop by and say hello and see your space. And so it, we didn't have much time, but she stopped by and I happened to be going through a, a particularly struggling moment, wondering had I done the right thing you know Um, and kind of explained to her my same path and kind of where I was now and she was like no don't you ever stop wanting more and figuring out how you can do better like that's the best no no like she like (laughs) I was like okay thank you (laughs) but I mean I and and I and then she even shared with me and I, and I kind of look back and I realized like, she's the same way. I mean, she's owned that studio in that little town in Indiana, like upwards of 30 years or something like that. And that business never stopped growing. She grew and grew and, grew. you know, she's still adding on to that space Yeah, and still finding out new ways. You know, when I was there, she was doing like, They started, they got the idea, oh, we're going to put on our own nutcracker for the community. And they went from just doing a recital to doing a couple of studio-wide performances a year. And I'm like, and I didn't really, I mean, I was excited that I got to be in the nutcracker. (laughs) Now that I'm a business owner and I look back, I'm like, she's the same way. Yeah. And uh, it was just a really lovely moment that I, I carry close to me now because it was nice to hear another former dancer turned business owner say there's nothing wrong with wanting to keep on trying to do something different and bigger or or keep on evolving or asking for more or asking, you know, yeah. growing in some yeah. way because it's growth. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, that's what dancers have to do in order to get better as dancers, you know, so that that skill translates into business and I think helps you be really successful. And I think, you know, I mean, of course, I will definitely agree with you about the 
the need for control. But I almost, I almost wonder if it's more like you're, you want, you see something that could be done better or you want to make sure that your clients have the best experience and the way that you're able to give it to them is the way that you're giving it to them. And you want to be, and you see that this, this other way is going to be better. So now you can actually do that for them. Whereas before you kind of had, you could see things that would have been better for your clients and you couldn't necessarily do it. So it's almost more that you want to do better for your clients and you want to, to do things in a better than just having to control everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, I couldn't help but make that joke. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, but just to know, put a positive there's, spin. There's light and dark to all of it. You yeah. know, like I think that it's really valuable that a lot of us want to strive to master and strive to control. And then, you know, there's things you have to work on because you have those things. And yeah. there's plenty to really benefit of because you always want something to be better. And then you also, I mean, some of our work is also being able to let go, you know, of yeah. not being able to make it better. But, you know, in terms of what, what you were just saying, I think the other part for me is that I often think, would I enjoy that if I were that client or I were that customer or how would I want to experience this situation? Mm -hmm. Very much like how do you want someone to experience your art? Right. How do you want someone to view this? What do you want them to take away from it? And so that thought process has never gone away for me and and is part of why like I want I continue to follow this you know path of seeing what unravels and do I want to step into that ne this next phase mm -hmm. um and it kind of comes it definitely is at least in part coming from a place of how would I want to experience that and can I create that for mm -hmm. someone else and, and then see how that unfolds, right? Like, did they experience that? How was their experience of it? Great. Is there anywhere where we can, was I wrong? And like other people will want that experience too. Or, so how do I shift yeah. that? And say, actually, <laughs> that's just me, <laughs> you know, or, and, and then also how do I not only, I think that's really important. Like, how would I want to experience it? But then also the other part that we've been talking about, which is, yeah, good to put yourself in the shoes of the client or the customer or person experiencing your your art, your product, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but also, what do I want my experience to be while I'm delivering this, while I'm creating this, while I'm operating this? Yeah, yeah. So you're learning what you, how your experience as well as the client's experience. And I think that that helps you in business because then you can actually say no to things that don't work for you and don't work for your business or don't work for your clients. <laughs> yeah, which is not something you learn as a dancer. You have to learn that one outside of dance. Yeah. <laughs> but... But kind of, I was thinking about, oh, how does a dance, you know, how does our past dance experience kind of mimic this? And I think it, our brains are really wired for this ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes or someone else's body and then try and figure out how to translate that back into our own bodies and then convey it out again. Yeah. Right? And, and so it's this very much this back and forth of, learning from a different body, putting it onto your body and then expressing it out through your body to someone else's body again. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So that like we're being able to do that back and forth is definitely a skill, I think. Yeah. And I mean, that's marketing and branding. That's, that's what marketing is, is being able to figure out something that needs to be said and how do you, take that in and translate it so that you can put it back out there. 
you know, and be able to help the person that you're trying to to talk to. So, yeah, (laughs) we should be brought on to arts colleges, liberal arts colleges as adjunct professors so that we can create a course called how to use your dancer skills in the rest of your life. (laughs) Which I think is really good. I think you're on to something, Brittany, because that, Maybe it's together and I just don't know because I've been out of school. I know. I, I, I don't know, though. I mean, when I went to college, they didn't have Pilates as some another course that you could take. I mean, they taught you pretty much how to dance, how to teach, and how to choreograph. And that was it. And you had to do a little work backstage just in case. But, you know, I think, I think nowadays it's really helpful to have alternative things and ways of moving and learning and that's why I think it's great what you just said about having a class that's how do you take your dance skills and put them out to the rest of the world and how do you live the rest of your life yeah 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 I I definitely was really lucky being involved in the developing uh, modern dance department Mm -hmm. at, at IU when I was because they were really trying they were working on building a major in a curriculum and so I got to be there for the beginning of it and part of that was just being there at the right time where they were including Pilates as part of the as part of the electives yeah yeah um, no you know I got my my mentor from that you know and I'll that I'm definitely I'm really grateful for that yeah. yeah now did you when you were choosing dance as your major and your career, did you have pushback from people? Were people like, oh, you don't want to be a dancer. Why are you going to be a dancer? You're, you know, did you have any kind of? Not really, but no, I mean, my parents were supportive and wanting to try to figure out how to use college and, you know, college and dance together. I actually wasn't a major. I did, you know, I, I auditioned for a handful of different, you know, more ballet, heavy ballet based programs. And I didn't get in, which was very upsetting mm-hmm. um, at the time. Right. And, and then that was how I stumbled upon the developing major that was happening, you know, the modern dance major. Liz Shea is the department head there still, and she's made it bloom into this really amazing program. But back then, it wasn't even a major yet. It was just a minor. Okay. Uh, However, I am thankful that things went the way that they went because I, I saw how the ballet programs went, and they were kind of, I mean, it's not like they were, they were top of the line, but they're, they're, college and and ballet and dance majors I mean I think pending the program you go to it might be a little bit different now mm-hmm. but they don't it was then especially what I saw it was just holding ground until you got until you got a job yeah and I learned so much in my time by being able to kind of see what was going on in different departments and eventually to even be supported by Liz Shea and my Pilates mentor, Emily Bogard, to build together my own, my own major that Mm -hmm. was heavily based in science and dance. But I, I was able to pull from all these different things because it was on my mind from the very beginning, you know, you, not everybody gets in. Right. I don't know how long you're going to be in if you do get in. Yeah. What if you get injured? You know, it was very, it was on my mind from the beginning. So I was able to look at like, well, you know, nutrition is really important in dance and psychology is really important in dance and, you know, basic anatomy is really, so I was pulling from all of these kinesiology, exercise physiology. I was pulling from all of these things as I was putting my major together and my final project my senior project was putting together a day workshop talking about all you know looking at what what it means to really treat yourself and your life holistically in order to support the best dance career that you could possibly have and here are all the different areas that you need to keep in mind wow. to really support yourself as best you can yeah I don't, I think now they do that. 
but I don't, I mean, back then, I mean, you're younger than me, but still, back then, that was not, that was just kind of coming out, you know, the holistic. Yeah, yeah. So that's really great that you were able to. I feel so valued. I, you know, I feel great that I was able to do that <clears throat> for myself because it also let me see what's out there. Where mm -hmm. else would I go? What else would I do? And get a taste for as many things as I as I could right. while still getting to dance. And I was I was you know I was dancing with the off and on with the the modern department. I had dropped out for a while to dance professionally with a company I had a relationship with all through high school. Mm -hmm. So I you know from from the beginning for the most part. But I mean as far as college is concerned, my dance career and figuring out what other career I was going to have. We're always running side by side. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Because I think so many of us are focused on that dance career and we never really think about, you know, what's next until it's upon us and we're like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I <laughs> so yeah. I think for better or for worse, you know, like I said, I, I really do believe that there's a light and a dark to everything. I think some of my fear that fear came in really quickly and in an effort to try to either accept it or battle against it, I started doing, you know, fig trying to think about what that might be sooner rather than later right. as a way to yeah, somehow face or address or get out in front of that fear. Right. And you know what? I mean, the great thing is, is that you're doing Pilates, which is so connected to movement and the body and that's what dance is so you know in a lot of ways you never really left that core structure yeah and that was dance. always my hope that was always my hope and i remember when i was doing my observation and practice hours in the very beginning and i was observing a woman teaching class at the, the studio I kind of grew up in mm -hmm. and in terms of Pilates anyway. And she, I tell the story all the time and to, still to this day after 15 years of teaching, I still love it, but <laughs> she was, you know, doing just, you know, settling into your body, the, the breath work that you do just to kind of start to connect into everything at the beginning of class. And everyone was laying down. I was sitting up against uh, a far wall and she happened, I didn't see that this woman wasn't really expanding and contracting in her rib cage like she could have, but the teacher did and came around and just put her hand gently on the woman's sternum. And as she exhaled, she just gave her a little bit of weight, right? It's not like she pushed on her or right, anything like right. that. Right? Just got her to relax a little bit here. And as soon as she did it, I heard the whole woman's spine pop. Wow. She was able to give herself her own adjustment just by relaxing and using her breath and the muscles of her, of her rib cage and her abdomen to just find a contraction. And that release and contraction aligned her whole spine in a very notable way to everyone in class. And my, like, I remember my jaw dropping on the floor and I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, you know, those moments are still, I love being able to witness, just in general, because I think it's cool. Yeah. But then also when someone else is able to experience it or feel it or figure it out in their own body and they have that little light bulb aha moment mm -hmm. and they're like, wow, that was, I didn't know that that was possible or that felt so great. I feel so much better that I'm just like that. I, I, I still consider it a big win because they yeah. just somebody access to something inside themselves on a very like basic physical level that they didn't know they had before. I yeah. just I think it's magic. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I feel like art does for people too. So you know, you very much married both and have gotten to be very successful with it, which is really great. <laughs> and I hope that more dancers are able to, and creatives in general, are able to kind of realize that those skills and those desires of creating 
translate to other things. And you know, you can develop other businesses and other career tracks that can be just as fulfilling, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking, how do, how do we support, you know, the next generation of dancers hearing that message, accepting it, feeling good about it, doing something with it. What I keep coming back to is the better and better we can get at asking creative questions of ourselves Mm. and of our mentor, you know, like whoever we, we trust and supports us around uh, supports around us. I think the better off you end up being in terms of being able to get clear about what that actually means for you. Nice. And that's something that I don't, I don't know that dancers are specifically encouraged to ask questions. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, right. we're very much like taught, Here's the, especially in the classical forms of dance, right? Like, yeah. here's the technique, here's the choreography, embody it, put it back out there. Right, right. But there's not a lot of theoretical questions unless you're working. You know, I've worked with a handful of choreographers here and in the, and when I was in college, that their process involved that. And I remember being like, you want me to answer the question? You want me to think about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, is this a trick? You know, <laughs> but but I I think I mean I, I kind of stumbled into that skill on my own, and and it's been I think one of my most valuable ones, like figuring out how to okay here, like we're talking about, like how yeah. do I dice what I know that I have? How do right. I understand what I have? How do I know better what I have, you know, available to me? And then the process of asking creative questions to get clear about how you reinvent yourself or use your creative skills to continue to evolve Mm -hmm. um, past one thing, uh, to me, seems like... Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that was great. I think that that's a good thing to leave people with is ask those creative questions and constantly be trying to figure out how can you make it better? How can you do this thing or what, how does that work is a really good way to leave things. But so thank you so much for coming on here and chatting with me and so sharing great. your story and your thought process about, you know, dance and business. Yeah. And I hope it inspires the other thing that, you know, one of the projects that we, I'll just say briefly that I've been involved with is, is creating a space where those of us who have been professional dancers and have chosen to move on to different things or kind of half in and half out still, a friend of mine started a collective that kind of embraces that and, and celebrates it. Uh-huh. Making, you know, space if you don't have your, if you're not all in, you can still be in. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But what's come out of that as we continue to talk about it more is that we're stumbling into more people that we know that we didn't know used to be, you know, are professionally trained or, you know, I stopped dancing years ago, but always miss it. But like, they never really say anything about it because they feel bad about it. And yeah, you know, we're kind of stumbling into like, wait, what? You were a dancer? I didn't even (laughs) realize, you know. So I hope that these types of conversations and what you're starting allows people to not feel like it's just now it's over. Right. That they can still figure out ways to enjoy it and um, meld it into... The next into thing. what they're doing now or, yeah. or still be able to be involved in it in some way because like once it's in you it's it's in you forever and never goes away and <laughs> I'm sure like it it happens less now to me but the whole like former dancer is a little like <laughs> <laughs> no I'm always a dancer yes and maybe I should say former professional dancer someone that's yeah, I mean, <laughs> doing it as they're living <laughs> 
I mean, I feel the same way. It doesn't have the sting it used to, but I'm, I know, I'm sure like we all have it in us a little bit that it's like, it's, it's just like you start so young. Once it's in you, it's in you forever. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I still think of myself as a dancer who does photography. I've been a professional photographer longer than I had a paid dance career, but you know, I, and I think everything I do is informed by that previous career that, you know, all that training that we've done since we were five years old, mm-hmm. you know, colors everything we do, no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're always yeah. going to be dancers. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's just, do we still get paid to do it every day? I think is, you know, what gets hard. Yeah. So I appreciate, I appreciate this conversation and opportunity to do the interview with you and and what you're compiling together and presenting to the world, because I think that if we can all, a lot, you know, all of us can figure out how to more fully, you know, recognize that whether we realize it or not, our, our past dance experience, career, training, colors, everything we do everything else that we do I love the way that you're saying that colors everything else that we do but we can figure out how to more fully embrace it or integrate it or live it or whatever and and feel like it's oh no it's it's not this thing that's in the past that I'm kind of sad about but it's something yeah. that I can, like, pull out and continue on I think this is a way we kind of figured that out yeah a little bit so thank yeah you for thank you for this lovely opportunity. (laughs) This was great. So thank you. Have a great day. And hopefully we'll talk to you soon. I will include everything that Brittany and I talked about today in the show notes. And next week on Act Two Interviews, I will be interviewing Paige Wilhide of Paige Media, an actress turned confidence and video marketing coach. You'll learn how she uses her acting and improv experience to help her clients show up on camera confidently and grow their businesses exponentially. Thank you for listening to Act Two Interviews. I'm your host, Sophia Negron. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with all your friends. Have a great day.